All right. Hello. What's going on? My name is Rich Ryan bringing you another Torque Talk. This previous weekend was a busy one here at Torque. So we had four people racing, myself, Logan Broadbent, Josh Redinger, and Lauren Longfield. But for this particular podcast, it's going to be Logan and I talking about our respective races. Logan finished fourth at Savage Race Ohio, and I was able to come away with a victory at DecaFit Palm Beach. So the first 40 to 50 minutes we spend on Savage and Logan goes through his race, some of the mistakes that he made, some things that he could clean up along the way, and also gives some really cool insight on how to get some, how to get through some of these really tricky obstacles. And he has great perspective because of his ninja background, and he has such good body awareness that he he's able to do things that I wouldn't have even thought of. And then after that, we go through the DecaFit event. We talk about some of my preparation for it, some of the race tactics, and how that all kind of went down. So it was cool to have things flipped a little bit. Logan did a great job uh, leading the interview all, all the way through. So I. Really enjoyed chatting with him, really enjoyed this conversation. And just to let you know, Lauren Longfield, she also ran a full marathon, full marathon on the road, which is not up her alley. So she did a marathon that was on a one-mile looped course. So she did 26 miles and change on the same one-mile stretch. Uh, she was able to run 312 and change, and uh, which is well under a Boston qualifier for first ever road marathon, which is outstanding. Uh, not a lot of prep there, and she's been running a lot in the mountains and preparing for ultra distances. So for her to go to step way out of her comfort zone and to do so well uh, without much background in this, and the pacing could have definitely been tightened up, but she you know, learned a lot, went after it the hard way, and finished the damn thing. So big props to her. And Josh Reinger was up at Noob Sanity, and it was a longer event where he finished first, and or I think he got finished second in like the longer event, but there was like a fastest loop one as well where he finished first. So he top two, two top two finishes for our guy Josh. So make sure to check out those. I'll put the links in the bios for those posts about what they had going on. But this conversation is Logan and I, so let's just do it. All right. Logan Broadbent. Hello. What's up, man? What's up, man? I'm living my best life over here in Cleveland. How you doing? As always. Is the sun out? Are you guys getting some sun? Sun sun has been out all week. All week. We got like four inches of snow a few weeks ago, but now it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I was in North Carolina this week for work. I uh, you know, got a nice trail run in down there, but it was just as nice here in Ohio. It's like, why, why am I down here? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I just got back from Florida, and and I got back, and now it's like going to be mid eighties here as well in Philadelphia. We're typically, I think, Cleveland and Philadelphia's weather is pretty, pretty similar, pretty yeah. gray. You know, oh, sun, yeah. not a ton of sun all the time, but in the springtime, people go crazy. As oh I'm yeah, sure they it go is. wild. It's funny because you know, I remember just you know it, at, in college, right? Like the first nice day of uh, of the year of spring. Anytime it jumped north of fifty degrees, right? everybody's outside you know everybody sheds all their their clothes and you know people are walking around in flip-flops and it's you know still freezing cold but nobody seems to care you just gotta do it you just gotta take what you can get there's like one real running path here in philadelphia it's along the schuylkill river and it's just like where everybody lives in the city it just kind of dumps you into this one spot you can run in a couple other places but it's not great it's kind of harder to get to and when the sun comes out that place is mobbed not a ton of winter runners here but there's a bunch of springtime runners, and it makes me upset. I'm like, hey, fair I'm weather. out here, fair weather. I was out here paying my dues all freaking winter, and here you are now. Where we, but 
Hey, but 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 who wins that race, right? Who wins that race? That's true. That's not. Right. That's the not guy's how. been training all winter. Come on, get out. That's of here. right. Yeah, I, I went along. That's what I'm telling myself. They're like, hey man, I just sure. be out. they just want to be outside, and they're just yeah. They're out running a quarter mile. You're out running twenty, so don't worry about it. Right. So we're winning this thing. Uh, well, let's talk about some races. We're a couple days removed from both of our races, and we're going to kind of recap things. But I want to talk about Savage Race first, which was close to you. It was kind of in your hometown, Savage, yep. Ohio. And yep. there was a, pretty much like a star-studded field out there. And Savage has been really bringing them out. So you just kind of added depth to that lineup of stars. So tell me a little bit about what your like mindset was going into this particular race yeah my mindset a few weeks uh before it was really really excited because you know it's an ohio race it's about it's still about three hours away from me even though uh it's it's in my state so i always you know i really want to perform well in any ohio race represent our midwest our midwest runners and um uh you know you know i felt really good uh then i heard everybody else who was coming you know between Ryan Woods, uh, Ryan Atkins, uh, Sean Roberts, James Zoik, um, you know, Joseph Cotto, Dustin Livingood, you know, a lot of really good athletes also going to be there, which, which elevated my game even more. I was, I was even more stoked because I love going to those races where there's a lot of good competition. You just never expect that to be a savage race in Ohio, right. In you know, in, in the spring. So, um, yeah, so I was really excited to hear who's showing up. Um, you know, I had actually been dealing with, uh, with some injuries, uh, just after American Ninja Warrior, um, I had injured my back. And so, um, you know, I'd been tr- kind of rehabbing that for about six weeks, uh, trying to get it back to a hundred percent. Uh, it's coming back now, but definitely not ideal for a super hilly course where you're going to be barreling downhill at full speed. That's a lot of force on your back, but, uh, but I was just going to go for it, right? Because it's my Ohio race and it's, it's where I want to do well. So there was there any ever any doubt of whether you were going to run this thing or not, or you're like, if I can run a little bit, I'm going to show out for the Buckeye State and just like be there. Was that yeah, kind of the mindset? Yeah that, was, yeah, that was my mindset. My mindset was, hey, you know, I'm going to go out there, uh, I'm going to go for it, and if I feel like I'm doing more damage or if I'm going to injure myself, uh, you know, more than maybe what's already been done or if it's going to extend that recovery period, um, you know, then I always do have the option to pull out, but we all know that once you're in a race and you're going after it, uh, maybe that's not really truly an option, but I like to convince myself it's still an option. Uh, so I was at least going to start the race and going to, going to go for it. And, um, you know, especially it being in Ohio, uh, being with a lot of groups that I train with, that I kind of mentor, that mentor me, right? That we, you know, we kind of share that community. Uh, it was important for me to be there to, you know, to support them as well. And this might not be true, but just kind of what I've found in my experience as an athlete and coach is that when you're when you're dealing with an injury that's like acute from something outside of running, that you know it might like the healing process might take longer if you continue to run on it but you, you you might not be at risk of really hurting it further if it's not directly related to running at least that's kind of how i justify it to myself when i'm like have those things I'm just like, ah, well it wasn't a running injury so i'll be fine right exactly exactly and the last thing that i want to do is um is is try to use that as an excuse right like for mm. um you know for my finish or anything else i don't think the the injury itself affected my running or slowed me down right by any means 
Um, so, you know, I don't want people to be listening to this and be like, oh, you know, you know, he's coming up with an excuse or something like that. Definitely not one to do that. Um, you know, it didn't affect my performance. Didn't affect my performance. Yes, it bothered me, but uh, it didn't It didn't allow me to slow down in the race. And, and anybody who finished ahead of me uh, finished ahead of me because they were better than me <laughs> on mm. that day. And right. that's uh, that's important to know. And it's admirable to, to – you didn't mention anything about it going into the race. It wasn't something that you were kind of putting – like, hey, I hurt my back, but I'm right. going to be out there anyway for fun, for fun right, right, whatever. Right, right. Uh, so <laughs> you're out there. You're out there to compete, right? You had fitness. You're, you're, it really showed off after getting third place at Jacksonville for the Spartan Race U.S. National Series. So that really kind of put – put you on a lot of people's radar leading into this was was that anything you had kind of been like thought about in terms of expectations of this race or did you have much expectation for yourself going into this or where where was your mind set with that with the blend of having you know coming off a big performance having a little bit of this injury but also being in uh like an area of the country that means a lot to you like how did that kind of change your expectation yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of factors, right? I mean, you just mentioned a bunch of them kind of leading into it in terms of expectation. I knew that I put in a really good block of work right in the winter, uh, hitting the track, you know, hitting some hills, uh, doing some of that fun stuff. Uh, after Jacksonville, I revamped my training plan. Um, it's a very long season, right? So everybody who, you know, who plans to be at the top uh, is really training for that October, November, you know, maybe late September, October, November kind of time frame for the championship season. And and that's where my head's at, too. Uh, I also had something important coming up with American Ninja Warrior, you know, my fifth time competing on this show. Um, and so I really need to focus more on strength, grip strength, um, uh, you know, obstacle specific, you know, stuff for the show and, and getting ready for that. So I kind of revamped got ready for that. And then I pivoted, um, you know, coming off of that, uh, you know, getting, getting back into running, uh, of course, you know, dealing with the injury, I wasn't able to do as much hill work as I wanted to getting back on the track as much as I wanted to. But again, it's a very long season. So for this race in particular, I wanted to show up, I wanted to do well, respectable, I wanted to get some, you know, this would be the first hilly course of the season, right? Just kind of see where my fitness is right running up and down hills uh which i think is important to note early uh because we do have a lot of those really aggressive climbing um courses in the u.s national series and with ocr world championships and everything else um so that's what it was this was a a learning opportunity it was hey where am i at today and what do i need to do to prepare for those late season races uh between now and then cool so with that i mean it sounds like you you were kind of coming at it from the right direction where it's like the bigger picture was kind of in place for you here. I think things kind of changed and there's a lot kind of going on. So it's like, let's show out, give it everything I got in this moment, not, not race because I'm not a hundred percent, but still kind of put the effort out as, as much, as much as I possibly can. Um, exactly. So let's get into it then. So you yeah. said it was more, uh, I got the map here. You got the map on your end. And so we're just going to go through it uh, piece by piece and kind of talk about it. And that was one thing that I was actually surprised to learn about this course is that it is hilly and you were kind of telling me that the, the climb would be, you know, 300 to 400 feet and it's a, it's a ski resort. So it's a bit of a, a, a ski, I guess people would call it a ski hill, you know, for the ski stops, right. but that's a, that's a big, that's a big climb, right? Especially for Ohio. Like you said, there had, yeah. And, and, and I'm sure it's super steep. And that it, it kind of is a nice little appetizer for some of the races that might be coming up, like a uh, like what you might have to prepare for at Blue Mountain for OCR World Champs, or if you were doing Palmerton or something. It wasn't like sure. a mega, you know, 
thousand foot climb right from the jump. So it was a good way to kind of see where your fitness at it was uh, with some obstacles in there. So as yep. the race kind of got started, you said it shot you straight uphill. So right. what were you kind of thinking right from the jump? Yeah, so right from the jump is uh, to not uh, not blow yourself out right at the beginning, and I think a lot of people do that, right? You always see, you know, maybe an inexperienced runner just take off out of the gate, and you know, maybe maybe even get to the top of the hill first, right, and then uh, and then really fall back and suffer after that. I want to just stay with the front group, um, you know, with the people that I plan to to finish near or ahead of, and um, uh, you know, obviously be aggressive you know, but not, uh, not overexert myself because we are going up and down the mountain five times, right. For this race. So unlike, um, you know, Stratton mountain where you might go up one and a half, two times, or, uh, you know, some of the other big mountain races, uh, this was a smaller hill, but we had to do it over and over again, which, which made it, which made it pretty tough. And so, uh, so I actually went out ahead. It was, uh, James Zoik and myself, uh, kind of getting to the top of the hill first, but everybody was right there in a group, right? Atkins was right on our heels. Uh, Atkins actually made a nice surge over the top of the hill um, and took the lead and, and started pressing. Um, and then Ryan Woods wasn't too far behind, um, you know, at that point. Uh, and we all just started pushing as we as we kind of took that left turn, kind of wound through the woods where it got a little bit muddy and um, and started making moves. And there's not a ton of obstacles within this first uh, mile here. It looks like clothesline, some walls, right. and barn doors, which is also kind of the same deal, right? Kind of going over yeah. something. Yep. Uh, yep. And so, barn doors is like a yeah, it's like a tall wall, but there's okay. gaps in the wall where you can climb up and over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and then as you kind of swing back through the woods, it's kind of same deal. There's this squeeze play, which was a little. Was that the one that was a little bit strange? Squeeze play was weird because, uh, yeah, we jumped through kind of these uh, these barrels, you know, that are on poles. So you squeeze through those, and then there are three horizontal poles. And a few of us, like, I don't do a lot of savage races, so I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do here. And uh, I was about to step through the poles as if it was, like, something you had to climb through. Uh, but then I looked over at the other guys, and I was like, do we go over? So we wasted a couple seconds. Um, actually, Sean Roberts was there next to me. And I was like, do we go over or under? He's like, I was going to ask you what we did. So, <laughs> so we all decided to go over because it's the tougher thing to do. And it was probably, you know, what we assumed would be the right thing to do would be legal. And then, uh, yeah, and then we kept going. And then we kept barreling down the hill. And I was able to catch up to those guys and squeeze through them because I tend to go downhill pretty quickly. Was there anybody at that obstacle? Or I think you could have gone through it. Yeah, nobody was there. It. I mean – now, no, no. I mean, other than it, the film crew, other than the guys who were, you know, kind of recording the race and everything, kind of alongside, they aren't really judges. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, nobody was there to tell us what to do. And actually, at almost none of these obstacles had anybody there uh, to tell us what to do, which made it really, uh, really funky. There was a, there were a couple examples of where that might have helped me, right, to have somebody there. But, uh, but no, not, not in this case. Yeah, and that's when it's unfamiliar, right? Like you definitely lose time just like stopping and thinking you know you it takes you out of the race a little bit for a little bit totally. of time right yeah so like yeah and, that, and that's one of these things with these type of races and i guess it's good to have practice to be able to think on the move that way but it can can certainly be frustrating um right. so you said you kind of caught 
up to people coming out of that then? Were you back up with the front pack or, or, yeah. or, or, or well, okay. So Woods and Atkins are still around me, or are they it gone? It probably put me back into, I got back into like third place at that point. So I had to squeeze between Zoik and, um, yeah, probably it was probably James Zoik and maybe Sean Roberts who were running downhill pretty quickly. And I had to squeeze through them and, and you know, hopefully put a little bit of a gap on them. Uh, but then we were trying to catch up to, Atkins and Woods, who had actually started to make some pretty decent moves and were running together really well. Uh, they ran together really well for, for a lot of the race, for most of the race. Are you seeing them? Or, 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 yeah, are oh, they... yeah, yeah. I'm definitely okay. seeing them. I mean, I saw them all the way through kind of the first half of the race, um, you know, before I started getting obstacles where, you know, they were going around blind turns and, you know, and losing sight of them. But yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's not a ton that's going to necessarily slow you down. Like there are some slower obstacles within Savage, but you know, they're pretty much backloaded and that seems to be how they like to kind of do it. It's still a bit of a gauntlet and there's certainly logistics. Yeah. Yeah. They love to shake things up at the end and and maybe, yeah, like you said, logistics, right. Putting the obstacles where you're able to get them right. Kind of bottom of the mountain. It's a whole lot easier than the top. Right. Um, Yeah. But we saw things shake up this, this, uh, for this race, we can we can talk about that here in a minute. We will, yes. But first, there's like a cargo net. Is that pedal to the metal, and then yep. that's actually back. Yeah, we went all the way back up the mountain, and they actually took us through this really cool like riverbed uh, through the woods. It was really tight, super scrappy. Um, you know, a lot of us were you know people were tripping over each other. It was it was really cool going through there. I love technical terrain uphill or downhill. And so uh, I was able to, you know, to make some moves there and, and, and get ahead of those guys a little bit. When they do that and they put us in like, you know, waist deep water or whatever, do, do you, like, I never know. I'm always like, oh, this is super slow and very uncomfortable. But I look around and I'm not gaining ground or losing ground. Yeah. Like, do you think yeah. you're good at that or you think you're not good at that or is it just like a wash for everybody? Well, for waist deep water, it's a wash for everybody. You're not yeah. going to make up or lose a lot of time in water. And we see that, I mean, we see that in Jacksonville a lot. I mean, especially 2019 Jacksonville, right. everybody got in the water and kind of, you know, grouped up together. And then it was kind of restarting the race coming out of the lake. Right. And so, so in that case, absolutely. This was a very like low, you know, low flow riverbed, uh, definitely wet, definitely muddy, but it was more about picking your line, right? Do you go left? Do you go right? Uh, do you go high? Do you go low? Um, you know, what's, what's the right strategy? And it kind of, uh, rewards somebody who's willing to take more risks, right? Uh, not worried as much about their footing or whether that rock's going to give out on them or not. Um, and, uh, I tend to be a little bit lighter so I can afford to take more risk, right? There's less movement underneath me when I'm scrambling through, uh, uh, through that type of terrain. And that's what went really well for you in Jacksonville also. Now you're wearing Salmings, right? Salming. Yeah. Salming. Yeah. I'm wearing Salmings. Yep. Are there, is there, I mean, they seem great. They're comfortable. They seem well designed. I like the whole idea. Like they're a bit of a lower drop. Oh, I never, yeah. I've never worn a pair on a trail. I've like tried some on. I just haven't had a chance to use, but I, I, I intend to, are they performing pretty well in that type of, they're, they're amazing for races. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend the OT comp as like a training shoe because it is relatively minimalistic, right? There isn't a ton of protection there. Um, so if you're really pounding a lot of a lot of mileage, um, but you know, go with the Salming, you know, the Trail Six or something if you wanted a little bit more cushioning. Those are really good, have great grip. But man, I love I love the OT comp. If you need something more aggressive, the Element has a more aggressive tread, but they shed water so quickly. You're mm. not carrying a lot of weight with you when you're running. 
Um, you know, the traction is great. They have like a Michelin tread, which is actually a pretty good compound uh, for the rubber for, for what I've seen for, for a lot of these races. Um, yeah, and they did the trick. I mean, they did the trick for this race. I don't have any complaints on, on the gear I chose. Uh, that's for sure. And does that help for that pedal one as well? Like same yeah, thing. Like got on really there. Nice, yeah, I mean, uh, really any any trail shoe would probably be beneficial there because it depends. You can either you can go wide and you can like grip the outside of the the spool, I guess, as you're wheeling in this basically it's a rope attached to a spool that's attached to a tire at the end. And you have to lay down on the ground. You have to kick your feet spinning the spool in order to pull in the tire. And so, yeah, if you have a good grip and you're able to grip the rope as it, as it binds up, um, yeah, that mm. can, that can definitely help you out. I don't think anybody lost or gained a ton of time there, but it was very hamstring intensive. It, it definitely wore out kind of your, your hamstrings and, and your posterior chain, uh, trying to do that. Well, so when you get up from that thing, are your legs feeling beat? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, it's different. It's different than running, right? It's a different motion. But think about like I, I think the way you think of it is if you got on an air bike, right, and started biking for, you know, a minute or, or mm-hmm. whatever, and then you hopped off and tried, tried running, right? It kind of yeah. gives you that that funky feeling. Yeah, and that's true. That's a good point where it is kind of spinning and there's a lot a lot of output uh, in a short amount of time. Right, um, right. And so after that, did you gain, lose ground? Well, after that, I uh, yeah, I think I came out ahead uh, of those guys a little bit. I think Zoic, actually, Zoic may have made a move on me there. He and I changed spaces probably eight or ten times during this race. It was crazy how much he and I were together and uh, kind of bouncing back and forth, which really helps. He's an Ohioan, too. He and I have kind of a history of trail running together and stuff, and he's uh, – just an awesome person, awesome athlete, and uh, always motivating, right, to be chasing him or to be running away from him, um, you know, in some of these races. If anybody hasn't heard the names James Zoic or sometimes, sometimes they call him Zook, um, yeah, he's, he's a good dude. And you say he's at Savage a lot, right? He's at a lot of Savage races. Yeah, he does yeah. a lot of Savage. He's yeah. big on the Savage circuit. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's stacking up well. And when you got after that, you're into Scornhole. Which Squirtle. is essentially like throwing a med ball up yeah. into a up cornhole a board, a, a huge, hole. a huge cornhole board. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't realize. So I thought I had it, and then I thought I had it again. I failed that one probably two or three times before I got it in the hole. I didn't realize how much you know. It's all leg. Like you have to kind of step back and run into it. I don't weigh that much, so the medicine ball is pretty heavy in comparison to to my body weight. So I really had to you know to launch that thing to get it in there. Uh, and that's when James made a move on me. So he ended up ahead of me at that uh, at that obstacle. Got it, got it. So yep. then you're back kind of like in fourth and then coming out through uh, Holy, Holy Roller. Roller, which is a good one for you to kind of move yep. through pretty well. Yep. Um, I got ahead of him on that one. You know, uh, that's, you know, you're hanging underneath these rolling, you know, uh, poles and you have to go, you know, you have to stay underneath on all of them all the way through. Uh, and then we really got to open up and run on some flat land right, right after that. So then coming out of Scornhole um, and kind of being back, there's a, a longer stretch of what looks like flat. And oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a good, you're a fast runner, you know, you're good at Mountain Sioux, but you're also pretty quick. So when it gets to flats, like I don't see you in any type of disadvantage. I uh, said, James yeah. is a really good trail runner, but then Sean Roberts is a tremendous flat runner from what we can tell, uh, at least in his track background. And oh yeah. 
So how things kind of play out at this point after, after yeah. saw horses, which are just walls, right? So between miles two and three, you have some room to run. Exactly. So then we really got to open it up and it, it was through some mud, some tall grass, you know, some stuff like that. But, uh, but if you're a good runner, it doesn't matter. I mean, it was, uh, it was very, it was very uh, even footing, you know, for the most part through this area, mm. uh, definitely winding a bit, but I think that's where Sean really shined, right? He, he put a gap. Uh, I'm pretty sure he put a decent, he started to create a bigger gap on, um, uh, on James and I at that point. Now, remember Atkins and Woods are running together and they're up ahead in the lead. But, um, uh, but I think I saw Sean, I went back and watched the video. Sean was running really through really well through here. Uh, looked like he was keeping a pretty decent pace. James and I were pretty close together. Um, uh, I know I ended up passing him uh, kind of on the back half of this on kiss my walls, which is basically a, a rock climbing traverse, right? So you have these rock climbing holds and you traverse across a horizontal wall with a little bit of an overhang. Um, and I uh, definitely made a move there just given my rock climbing background and ability. Um, but, uh, you know, put a gap on him and, and, and kept pushing. But at that point I was in fourth place and, mm -hmm. uh, and he was in fifth at that time. Okay. And then over the Twin Peaks is just two, two mount, two walls, right? Yep. Yep. So there's like a mud area that we had to fly through, um, you know, uh, the Twin Peaks. Yeah, just two big ramp walls. So you're not going to make or lose a lot of time unless you can't run up a ramp for some reason. Uh, but yeah, he and I, yeah, we, we got through those pretty quick. Yeah, it looks like there's some, and, and are you still flat? Like as it loops up, are you just coming back that same way on that same flat ground as you get through um, these next couple all of- flat. Yeah, oh, this all is flat. all flat, this back part. Okay. Until we get back to- um, yeah, until we get back to where we rejoin the Blitz course. Uh, so when we get back to the mountain near the building, uh, that's where we start running up the mountain again for a third time. I see. Okay. So anything really worth noting through what, like Nut Smasher? No. Guy just trap, a couple balance. Party. <laughs> they, love, they love their innuendos. Love it. Innuendos in, these, uh, in the naming conventions for Even their new, uh, their new obstacles, they just keep it on. Like, what else? That's probably how they decide their process. Like, they come up with innuendo first, and then they design the obstacle around the name. What, I think they do. I think it, it works out. It works well for them. They I don't see why, how it couldn't races, be that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Venus Guy Trap. I mean, you know, what can what can happen there? But yeah, so uh, a couple balance obstacles, block parties, kind of, you know, you got a block on a rope that you pull up and then you bring it back, um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, then we run back up the mountain and um, crawl. And luckily, you know, for me, low crawls aren't all that low because I'm already, you know, not the tallest guy in the world. So I'm able to stay pretty high on those low, low crawls and, and get through them pretty quickly. Um, you know, and then we go back down the hill so i passed james zoic at that point and then we run back down the hill to anchors away uh which is you know you have these two rings and you have to hook them you know onto these uh you know it's it is a rig right so you have these two rings you hook them onto these you know hooks and you got to swing through this obstacle james got through this thing super fast and i think since he does a lot of savage races he knew exactly like which ones he wanted to hit, how he wanted to hit them. Uh, so I think he actually passed me on this one, despite my um, my Ninja Warrior uh, background. And then I go off the rings, and I don't know what to do with the ring. So I keep running on the course with the rings. And then I realize, oh, I have to go back and throw them back in the bucket at the front. So unlike Noram, where you go through, you know. Uh, Gibbon, right? Gibbon, yeah. And then you drop them in the bucket 
right at the end of the obstacle. You actually have to go back to the start of the obstacle, throw them in the bucket and keep going. So I definitely wasted, uh, you know, a number of seconds there just figuring that out. And, and I think, you know, if I were to define my race, I think it was a lot of precious seconds that I bled through, you know, for these little small mental errors for just not knowing what to do at a certain obstacle or, or, you know, making, making a small mistake. So, um, or one rather large mistake in the back half, uh, which we can talk about, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that was, that was the case in, in this race. And coming off of something like that, where you've lost a, a where, someone had more of an advantage in terms of like the technique and strategy. And then you're kind of lost on what to do after it. And this is, we're like halfway through at this point, right? We're a little bit more than halfway through. This is within the, this is in between miles four and five. Right. Are you, are you, are you starting to worry about what, what's happening? Are you able to kind of get that out of your, your mind or, or where you, where's your mind to now? Cause now you're in fifth, right? Right. 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 So I can get that. I, I can start to get that out of my mind because, um, you know, I know that I'm efficient on obstacles and I know we're about to come to a very obstacle heavy area. Um, so, uh, you know, and unlike, unlike Spartan races, right, you can actually fail the obstacle and then go mm-hmm. back and do the obstacle again. There isn't this massive one and a half, you know, two minute penalty with doing 30 burpees, wasting a lot of energy. Uh, so you're, you can actually take a little bit more risk um, in, in this type of race, uh, which is, which is kind of a unique perspective. To have. Which is helpful for you, right? So it's good. It's good perspective to hold. It's like, okay, I'm in this, I'm, I'm strong on obstacles. Like if I can maintain, like, I don't need to worry about this small mistake where like someone like myself, if I, if like, I would be like, oh crap, I'm making mistakes on the obstacles that I'm able to do. What's going to happen later, you know, and if I was losing contact, yes. but so yes. it's, it's good that you have that confidence to like uh, understand that there's places where you can kind of pick it up later. And there's um, always that incentive to really keep pushing in these races because the challenging rigs toward the end can mix everything up, right? Mm-hmm. So Sean Roberts, who may be a fantastic runner, I don't know how good he is at obstacles, right? right? So he might get to something and really struggle with it. And that might give me a chance to, you know, to pass and to, to end up a little bit further ahead. So you're always in the race at these races. And, and, and that's what I like about it. And so it looks like there's a couple of, again, just kind of obstacles slow you down. Like the back scratcher, I think is again, just kind of like a wire barbed wire type of deal. Right. And then another, so, yeah another wall. Um, and are you caught up at this time? Were you able to make up any ground or are you still hanging in? Yeah, no, James and I are, yeah, pretty much together at this time. Um, yeah, we're, we're right there. And, uh, yeah, we've got the big eight foot wall again. I think Atkins woods and Roberts had started to put a a gap on us. So, uh, I didn't know quite where they were or how far ahead they were. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then we have to start running back up the mountain for the fifth and final time. Um, and we have to get through battering bird, which is kind of a tough rig for a lot of people. Uh, so you got to get through that. That's one that I actually slipped off of at the very end. Uh, and it's because I was trying to be overly aggressive. Like I felt good, felt strong, felt like I had great traction, grab that last set of, um, ropes that you kind of grab that are hanging there to go for the bell and I slipped right off ah. and so I should have I should have matched I should have matched and, and hit the bell but again that's all on me um just you know just a, a lapse in judgment there um where this is where my race started to kind of fall apart a little uh because right after that I made another uh another mental error that uh that really cost me can I ask you about the battering part real quick yeah for yeah. um for a guy your size what, what are you weighing in right now 
So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still carrying a little winter weight. I'm around 130 pounds right now. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. and, and so, and what are you, five, six? Yeah, I'm about five, 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 six. Five, yeah. five, five, six, 130. Right. So um, yeah. I mentioned size a couple of times. And with this, the, the, the battering, part of the battering ram part of the yes. of this obstacle yeah it's a lot of it, what looks like power generation and then being able to kind of move that slide that thing across the pipes the more power you can produce the yep. faster you'll kind of go through that so True. at your size how are you what's your strategy with this are you worried about that are you able just to use your arms to slide through or are you using more hips and of more momentum to to work your way through something yeah like this? i'm using more i'm using more hips and momentum i'm using my whole body to kind of kip and kick um, because, you know, cause I want to get it done in two moves or three moves as opposed to, is that all it'll take? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a relatively short, you know, distance that you have to go maybe 15 feet or so, um, maybe 20. Um, but what I also noticed is that the friction right on, on these vary between the different lanes. Mm. So the first one I jumped on was really sticky, really hard to move. It almost felt like it was rusted, you know, as I was mm-hmm. trying to like kip through, um, you know, then I slipped off at the end, I went right back to a different lane and I flew through that one. It felt like it was, you know, like there was Crisco on the pole or something. I just slid right through it. Um, and then switch. So, um, yeah, I mean, technique matters. Um, but also there may be a little bit of luck involved. So if you get lucky enough to get on a fast one and, and you slide right through, uh, take full advantage of it. Uh, if there's one that sticks a little bit, you know, just power through it and, and, and keep going. Don't think too much about it, but, uh, but that definitely played a factor. Got it. So essentially you're doing like a lache, but not letting go. Exactly. Yeah. So kick your feet up in front and then throw your arms forward as you're, um, yeah, as you, as you, as you're kicking. And then just match on the, on the, on the twirly bird part, just, just in case. Yeah. And just match on the twirly bird. Just I mean, in just, case. you know, you, you don't really need to show off for anybody, you know, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody's watching, <laughs> but do it as, you know, do it as securely as you need to do it because, uh, nobody's going to care, you know, at the end, whether you, you did it in, in two grabs or, or four or five, right. Just get it done. Get it done. So then we're into mile five and this is a six and change mile, mile race, right? So mile five looks, we're going back up the hill and at the top, or is this halfway up the hill where we're yeah, so where it shows, where it shows it here, think of lumberjack is actually being closer to where that mile five marker is before the turn. Okay. Okay. We go all the way up the mountain with this, with this, uh, four by four and then back down and we would drop it back off at mile that where that mile marker five is and then keep running, go over big cheese. Big cheese is right there, right. You know, very close to the pile of four by fours. Um, Oh, so it's pretty long. It's a fairly long carry. It is a long carry. It is a long carry. And this, this was my race. This is, this is what cost me right here. So people listen up. If you're looking for a great learning opportunity without having to make the mistake yourself, um, in the savage races, apparently they will drop two pallets of perfectly stacked four by fours for the start of the lumberjack. There may not be a sign there that says, hey, this is an obstacle or pick up a log or anything like that. But there are, it's pretty obvious that there are these two giant piles of four by fours. And I actually saw them when I was running, but I assume they were there as like for maintenance or for building something. Wonder what they're building. (laughs) I wonder what it could be. And so uh, I start running up the mountain and uh, without anything, right? I just run by them. I'm like, okay, cool. Going to, going to you know, get up there and uh, start running up this mountain. I run about halfway up the hill 
And then I see that Zoic is carrying a four by four. Oh my and God. Like, so you're cu- no. you caught up to him and yeah, you saw it. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. So I was catching up to him and I was like, wait, why is he carrying that thing? That's good. <laughs> and then I, so I turn around, I run back down the mountain to the giant obvious pile of four by fours. And at that point there was a guy on a four wheeler who had come up and it started telling people to grab a log, maybe uh. some visit or something. I don't know, but I grabbed the log threw it on my shoulder, started booking it back up the hill. Um, and, you know, at that point, I think Zoic had definitely made a bit of a, you know, had put a significant gap at that point. Um, you know, I, I hustled downhill, threw the log down, got through big cheese and uh, hustled through sawtooth and everything else, just trying to catch up to those guys. Um, but luckily, you know, the guy behind me was even further behind. So by the time I ran back down the mountain, grabbed the four by four, kept going, he was still you know, coming up the battering bird or something. It was pretty spread out at that point for this race. Yeah. Being that late. So clearly it's not marked well. Right. And there, and it doesn't seem like there was anybody there. <laughs> Other people still picked up this four by four. Um, yep. So what yep. do you think happened? Do you think it was coming off of a mistake from battering bird or were you, or is it just late in the race that you were rushing? Were you just yeah. not no, familiar I mean, with it enough to know not- there would even be a carry? Yeah, I'm not putting this on. I'm not putting this on Savage at all. I think this is this completely falls on me. Um, you know, definitely would have been nice to have somebody there, but at the same time, you know, it's you don't necessarily need a judge or a volunteer to determine whether or not something log. So uh, yeah, so it, it was just. I think it was just race fog, right? When you're running and you're a little bit delirious because you're pushing pretty hard it's really easy to miss out on, on some of these things. And I had read the map. I knew what the obstacles were, you know, I knew where they were. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it just, uh, yeah, just totally slipped, slipped by me as I was running. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you're in a fog, you don't really know what's going on. You're trying to, you're trying to stay sharp, but, um, but yeah, definitely a lapse in judgment on, on my part. I'm actually embarrassed to tell this story, but, <laughs> but I think it's an important learning lesson for anybody, you know, who's out there. Like you got to stay sharp. You got to pay attention. You got to question everything um, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to waste a minute or a minute and a half or two minutes, you know, running up and down the hill. You don't have to. Right. And there's definitely tactics when it comes to obstacle racing, things are going to go wrong. And like, you made a really wise tactical choice in Jacksonville with, um, with the tire flip, like knowing where your strengths were and, and yep. accepting what the race was giving you. And in, and in this case, the, the, the tactics just weren't there. <laughs> just payback. I mean, yeah, yeah. Jacksonville probably is right. probably <laughs> karma coming back and just being like, just so you know. And yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not that smart. The, uh, yeah, right. the, uh, cause I could imagine seeing, uh, Zoics with that, with that four by four. And, and I would have probably had that feeling in my stomach, like, yeah, that dropping oh, yeah. out, like, Oh my God, I've really, what have I done? What, what has happened here? <laughs> so when you drop it, are, are you still in this race at this point? Cause this is like your third kind of mistake. And you know, these mistakes yeah. kind of come and go and right, right, right. Are you still thinking like, hey, there are some tough, tough things going on? Or are you like, man, I really, I really screwed this one up pretty, pretty good at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I still felt, you know, was I was still going to push no matter what. I was going to push 100%. I wasn't worried about who's behind me. I was worried about who's in front of me. And that's always how I tend to think about my races. I think it's a, it's a smart way to think, right? Who's ahead of you? Don't worry about who's behind you. Mm-hmm. Just focus on reeling in the next, the next person. And so I knew that, 
it may have cost me, but I also knew that there was that slim possibility that, um, that, you know, I still had a chance, right? I knew that there were a lot of obstacles coming up. I didn't know how well somebody else would be able to get through those. So I was going to go for it no matter what. And so I continued to just whole butt. And, and sometimes making these mistakes causes a bit of an adrenaline rush and causes, you know, is, is that extra motivation that you need to push even harder through the last part of the race? Mm. Uh, I think it certainly was in this case, you know, I, I continued to push very hard and, uh, um, you know, and actually almost, I was right there, you know, at the end, yeah, I finished yeah, maybe 15 seconds right behind Zoic or something. And so that would have been just one failure, right? One failure and one obstacle and, and that would have been it, but no big deal. This is where we're getting into the part of the race that you've probably been looking forward to. It's like sawtooth. Sawtooth is uh, just a big long monkey bar rig, essentially. So you're probably flying through that. Um, Colossus is a just a a, that's like the slide thing, right? Yeah, Colossus is a big slide thing. Yeah, it's like a big ramp that you run up, you jump up, you slide down, and then you have to swim across the pool. Right. So you're not gaining or losing much, but then it's wheel wheel world, which you probably fly through. Oh yeah. Yep. That's all technique. Yeah. Then you're coming up to Savage Rig, which gave some people some trouble. This didn't, did no one finish the women's race? No, a few did. A few did. Yeah. A few did. Um, but, but, uh, even so for the females who got through it, Amy Patrick, who's a good friend of mine who I trained with a lot. She's been on Ninja Warrior a few times. We rock climbed together, uh, up here. Didn't, run incredibly well but ran strong enough um you know she got through it tiffany palmer i believe made it through you did get through okay i think so and it may be christina mcfarland but i'm not sure about that i think i think it was just tiffany and amy who made i it thought through. that's okay and they're but they're, they're did it, it wasn't the other times weren't very good it seemed like they were out there for no. a long time <laughs> right right yeah, it was like an hour 11 hour 12 minutes right yeah so yeah so talk to us about this rig because it looked interesting and i mean and wood and this knocked woods off woods was winning beating atkins and and if but you're from an Ad- and if you're in front of atkins ever in anything like you're doing well you know and atkins hasn't raced in a long time like but a lot of us haven't so right. um and he wasn't able to complete this so t- no, take us through no. this and why and 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 just how you were able to do it and what was like the most difficult part about it. You know, I've thought about this a lot because, uh, because I question why it was as difficult as it was right for some people. But I also understand that I have been doing a lot of rock climbing, a lot of obstacle specific stuff and that I have, a good sense of body control that I think helps get me through a lot of these relatively efficiently. Right. I think the first thing is that they had two rings. They were actually attached to one another. And so it was almost as if, if you grabbed one, the other would jump up. If you grab the other one, you know, no matter what you were on the low side, uh-huh. right. So if you grab the first one, you're low and having to grab up. Then once you grab the second one and put all your weight on it, it's going to drop. Right. And so I don't think people were anticipating that because if you don't look up at the rig and see how these things are rigged, you just expect it to be, you know, fixed, affixed to the top of the the truss. Um, So that threw off a lot of people. A lot of people got jolted right off, but that's right at the beginning. So you didn't waste a lot of energy, but you had to get through that. You had to get to the cheese board, right, which are these big, long plastic pieces of well, they're blue, but they look like cheese. They have these big, you know, right. 
circles or half circles like cut into them. And, um, and you had to get across that, but they're only attached to the very top. And so they will pivot left or right, depending if you end up on the high side of it, uh, they're going to, they're going to tilt and you need to be on the, you know, you need to anticipate that. And so I don't know. I mean, I got right through, I, I skipped the first ring. I jumped right to the second ring. So I didn't have to anticipate that drop or anything else. Grab the cheese board, went, you know, I, I got my hands into each of the holes that kind of made sense. But then I went to the top of the cheese board. So you can actually hang on to the very top of it and traverse a little bit. Huh. Uh, if you're trying to use just the holes, you end up really low. You end up... Um, I think struggling on, on grip a lot and deciding which side of the board you need to be on. So I kind of used the top, I used the bottom, I used like everything that I could to get across. Uh, and then I even used, uh, you know, after the cheese board, there is a, a chain, like a covered chain that you could grab and then go to the rope ladder, which was also suspended twice. So it was suspended twice, but it was connected to itself. So again, you drop down low on one side, and then once you grab the other side, you're going to drop again. So you need to anticipate that a lot of people were falling off there too. Not, not anticipating the jolt. They expected it to be fixed and it wasn't. Um, and so that was, you know, if you knew the body control, if you knew how to get across that efficiently, you were fine. If you wasted a lot of time thinking about it while you were on the obstacle, you were going to get pumped. And if you fail twice, I'd say once or twice, you really have to wait a long time in order for your arms to come back. Um, and that's, and that's what I think what ended up happening, happening to Woods. It's not that he wouldn't be able to do the obstacle if he knew how to do it and how to do it properly. It's that he wasted a couple times trying it and then got pumped. And I, I think wasn't able to, um, you know, to, to get through it completely. Right. And for a guy like Woods who went there to win, like the completion, isn't why he wanted to go there. So that's a different trend of thought, right? Just like why yeah. risk it and stay out there, potentially get, get hurt for, for nothing or just walk off the course and, and uh, just live with the, the DNF um, right. because he was out there to race and compete, right? He wasn't, he doesn't mind getting his band cut in that. And that's instances. Yeah, so he's playing for money. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So when you're starting up that these are fun wrinkles, the way the, the counter uh, balance oh, yeah. of the rings, it's like a good idea. I, I would probably be very frustrated with it. So if you, when you start on the second ring, did you know right away that they were connected and did you pull it down? Yes. Could you reach out yeah. and pull down and, and so that you start with it all the way already taut? If you were tall, probably reach over while you're still with your feet still on the bar on the truss and pull it down. But what I did is I found a lane where it was already down, okay. right? Because some of them, they, you know, uh, they didn't set all the obstacles so that the first ring was low, which would have been smart because then everybody would have ran into that problem, at least in that first group. But, uh, but right. no, I, I, I found the one that was already low on the second one, jumped straight to that ring. There was no drop, no jolt, nothing to worry about there. Um, and then just use that momentum to get to the cheese board and just go, 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 right? Go fast. You almost use it like... Um, if you've ever seen um, cliffhanger, right? Using cliffhanger as like kind of an obstacle, you want to go quickly, right? Quickly and efficiently through that so that you're not wasting a ton of time. I kept my L's, which means I kept my arms bent and stayed up on top of the obstacle so that I could hide the road. Well, I thought you meant cliffhanger like the movie from the 90s. I was like, 
don't like this dude's pulling out movie references and mid <laughs> mid rig. I was like, this is fantastic. This mental been like that. <laughs> Who knows? So, so with, with the cheese, cause people get in trouble in the cheese, right. When they try to get on the, they end up with the, both their hands on one side and on the yes. holes and then the whole thing flips on them. Right. And then they, exactly. Right. So right. you're saying you were able to, you had your L's, but you were, were you still down the middle or? Were yeah, you, no, I was on one side. I was on were. one side of the board, but if you can keep your hips underneath you, if you can keep your L's, keep your hips underneath you and your legs kind of out, it, the whole thing isn't going to flip because there's less of your weight on the center of gravity of the board. So you can actually, uh, if you can keep yourself lifted and with your, with some weight underneath the, where the, where the cheese board is suspended from, then you don't have to worry about it completely flipping over on you. And actually it's only going to flip to a certain amount. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going right. to flip a hundred, uh, 360 degrees on you. Right. So it will tilt over and it may be like you're hanging onto a shelf as you're getting across it. But I mean, so what treat it like it's a shelf, right. And, and get across that way. I see. So if, okay. And if you can maintain your composure through the the furthest that it will tilt, you've already yes. found where it's going to be. So you're almost talking right. about doing like almost like a front lever then. Yeah. 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 It's almost like doing a front lever on the cheese board, but let it tilt, let it tilt, let it get to the point as far as it's going to tilt. And then, you know, and then work your way across that way. Um, and you said you got all the way to the top. And you were using that. Yeah, I actually stayed on, uh, I was actually on the top of the cheese board on the top, you know, at some point, you know, I used the holes initially like to grab on and then, uh, yeah. And then I think at one point I actually had a hand right on top of the cheese, which is totally, you know, by the rules. Right. And, and got across, you know, that way. And I don't think anybody thinks to just actually grab the top, like to get to the top of the cheese board because they expect that it's going to flip at that point. It doesn't flip. It tilts but it only tilts to the point at which it's uh, it's counterbalanced and it, it's not going to go all the way around. But you still have to have that strength to hold your core up you and do. not let, not let like your butt fly away from the, from the right. rig itself. Right, 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 right. So you can use your knees, you can pump your knees up, like as if you're stepping across as you're reaching and mm. kind of use your, use your, use the bottom of your body to help support, right. Your upper body. Um, you know, or you can stay kind of in that lever position, use your core and, and work your way across, but no matter what you do, you want to get through it as quickly as possible and not waste a lot of time thinking about it. Just from my reference, can you, so you could probably do a front lever. Can you hold the sure. front lever? I can. Can yep. you hold like an American, like a flag, not American. Oh yeah, flag. yeah. I can do a flag. I so can, can do a flagpole yeah, thing. Right. So right. Maybe, so, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking this is easier than it actually is, but Yeah. Yeah. I think the, that your, your strengths are in that and holding those positions, holding full body positions where, um, many obstacle racers are probably using a lot more arm and shoulder strength sure. to sure. kind of move through these. And that's, that's why people are, are kind of keeping the center down the middle, right. Just to kind of keep right. their arms bent and trying to reach to get through it. Um, yeah. Where you might, were you just naturally doing that when you're like, I'm just going to go here and then I'm just going to kind of th throw this lever on and I'm good to go. I think it just felt easy. Just how to do right? it. It just felt, yeah. was, you know, I just went with what felt right. And I think even if you're dead hanging, um, you know, even if your legs are down right below you and your knees aren't even up. Um, I think, uh, I think that board is only going to tilt to the, 
you know, to become a shelf and then you have to use it as a shelf to get across. So, um, yeah. So even if you could, if you can get there and, and just like counterbalance it for even that moment, might not even necessarily need to hold it for that right. long. Once it's tilted, it's tilted. Yeah. I think you can get across in probably four or five, you know, four or five different movements. Right. Um, if uh, you know, if you did it efficiently, right. Huh. Effectively. That's but, interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think a lot of people anticipate that the board is going to flip. And so they waste time worrying about moving their next hand over. Right. And, and then they get pumped and then, you know, you can't reach the chain or you can't reach to the, to the ladder. Um, and, and, and it costs folks for sure. Then you're stuck. Um, very interesting. Really cool insight. And yank my chain that's new. So it gets heavier as you're pulling it up. Yeah, I guess it's 120 pounds, um, you know, chain and you have to pull it gets heavier as it goes up. So it's really easy at the start and it gets really heavy. And, um, you know, so I had to put my foot down, you know, kind of on the bar and lean back. You know, I was, uh, you know, Zoic and I were there kind of close to the same time. I was uh, trying to chase him down. Um, but, you know, with most, um, yeah, with most, you know, heavy weighted obstacles right it might cost me a few seconds um you know i don't weigh quite as much as i maybe should for those types of things kind of like hercules hoist and spartan how does it compare would you say i would say this one was uh a little bit easier just Hmm. because it's easy at the start but definitely hard at the end right to get that last pull it was similar to what you deal with uh with her hoist um, but getting it halfway up was was pretty easy. It's just when the full weight of the chain was there, it, it got a little more difficult. But yeah. I, yeah, I'd say it was easier. I'd say I don't think a lot of people struggled with that one. Let's put it that way. Okay, cool. It's good to know because I wasn't sure how that was all going to play out when that got rolled out. Um, it seemed interesting. Kind of another cool little little take on yeah. things. They're they're doing things, man. They're trying right. new stuff. They're innovating and, things. And I don't think they have like a women's and men's chain there. I think it's all the same. So uh-huh. it may have been easier because, you know, as a male, like, you know, I was the same weight as the female. So maybe some of the females, um, you know, who were even lighter, right, even lighter than me, uh, may, may have definitely, you know, seen that as, as a more intensive obstacle. Right, right. And right um, at the finish. <laughs> so what are some takeaways after, after a couple of days removed? And so you finished in fourth, right? Finished fourth. Yep, right. finished fourth. Yeah, um, so uh, the guys who finished ahead of me were Atkins, uh, Sean Roberts, and James Zoik, who you know finished third. So I was super stoked for James because he and I tend to go back and forth a lot, and um, you know we're both Ohio guys, uh, you know, so we've got the uh, the Buckeye pride <laughs> and all that stuff. But um, um, but we're also you know very competitive. So I was I was happy to see him sneak in there onto the podium. Uh, you know, representing the state. Uh, Adkins did, did really well. I know that Adkins didn't feel his performance was, um, you know, where he would want it to be. But again, you know, Ryan uh, does a great job of peaking, right, for those important kind of late stage races. So I mm-hmm. think this just kind of, uh, you know, to see where he's at uh, physically. So I, I wouldn't worry too much, um, you know, about, about him here in the future. He'll be, uh, he'll be ready for, for those races. And then Sean, Sean, you know, with his mid distance background, did a really nice job. You know, this was his first, I think his first like big OCR. And, um, I think he's going to continue to be a contender for, for years to come. So mm-hmm. uh, they're definitely, um, 
uh, definitely legit. I felt bad for, for Woods having to step away, you know, with the DNS. Um, but I also, I kind of understand, right. He came here to, um, hopefully, you know, win a little bit of cash and, um, you know, do well at a savage race. Um, you know, and once that was kind of blown, um, you know, to avoid risking injury or something, right. He decided to, to step off, but, uh, I wouldn't anticipate, I mean, he, he should he just see his performance as, as being positive, right? Aside from this one rig, he ran extremely well. I mean, if anybody goes back and watches the video, he had a decent gap on Ryan Atkins uh, and Sean Roberts, right? Uh, when he got to that rig, um, if he had gotten through that in one, even two tries, he still would have won the race, uh, maybe even three. Um, but, uh, you know, but I think he just got pumped, right? Yeah, and, uh, looked frustrated that- too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There were, you know, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a good race for me personally. I feel, you know, I feel good about my performance. I feel good about my effort. Uh, I am not satisfied and, uh, and very disappointed in myself when it came to those mental errors, right. And those, those mistakes being, uh, there's no excuse, right. For, for making those as a veteran in this sport. Um, you know, there's no reason that, uh, that you should miss a pile of logs or that, you know, that you shouldn't match on an obstacle, you know, if, uh, uh, even, even if you know that your grip is secure, you just never quite a hundred percent know. Right. So, right. So conservative, right. Get through things quickly, but, um, uh, you know, I got to avoid those mental errors, you know, for the remainder of the season. So I'm really glad I had this race and I had this race experience because I know that I'm not going to make those same mistakes here going forward, uh, for, for the rest of the OCR season into the, the more important races. What do you, uh, what do you got next? What do I got next? We got Ohio Spartan. Oh, right. I got soon. Soon. Doing that. I've got a few. Yeah. Very soon. Very soon. That's coming in hot. And then, um, I've got Utah, I think for the U S national series, I'm going to focus on the national series this year. Um, I've got, uh, uh, my goodness, a ton of, a ton of different races. Um, yeah, I've got some boomerang tournaments too. I do the boomerang thing. So I'll sprinkle um, them in there. Yep. Some weekends I may be doing a bit of that. Um, but, uh, uh but definitely U S national series. Uh, I plan to be at OCR world championships mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, would love to go to Abu Dhabi. Um, I've been thinking about, um, uh, the ultra world championships and Telluride, you know, for Spartan, I've been, um, kind of toying with some, some other ideas, but, but plan to see me on the Midwest circuit, you know, as you know, if, if I'm not for a U.S. national series race or some other, you know, big races, um, you know, you'll see me in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, you know, all, all of those fun races too, but, uh, uh, just keep staying sharp and, and hopefully, um, hopefully improving every day. Cool. So we'll make sure to uh, link to all that and make sure we know where we're going give everybody the heads up. Um, so cool. Let's just take a quick break and then we'll flip it around. Yeah. I love it. Sounds good. All right, cool. That was just a little break. That was everything from Logan's experience at Savage Race. So now I'm going to turn it over to Logan. He's going to lead this conversation through. We're going to be talking about Deca Fiat. Rich Ryan, we are so excited to have you here today on the Torque Talk podcast. Can you uh, can you tell people uh, who you are and, and where you're from? For sure, my man. So I appreciate <laughs> flipping flipping it here. So we were just talking one second ago, took a break, flipped it around, and now you're hosting it. So 
Uh, fresh off of a race in West Palm Beach, DecaFit, um, back in Philadelphia now. We tried to do this earlier. I freaking, I was at a, a Airbnb that said it had internet, but just like didn't. So sometimes they can say they have internet and they are lying, but you still I'll pay. I'll tell you what, we tried, we tried hard though. I mean, we probably restarted, you know, four or five times before we decided to call it quits, right? So, I was very upset. And I, it's, it should be nice to have a, a, like a, a vacation, quote unquote, without Wi-Fi. It seems nice. My phone really wasn't working either, but I wasn't <laughs> planning on not doing stuff. So I was kind of driving myself crazy. I was like, I, I need to do stuff. Um, so it was a little more stressful than a not stressful situation should have presented. When you're used to being extremely busy and going from training to work to podcast to, you know, everything else, like to all of a sudden go from 100 to zero is disarming, right? It, it, it can be, it can be scary. It was weird. And yeah, like I thought I would like that. I would relish those moments. I needed, I need to prepare to do less. And I just, and I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to do less. Well, cool. Well, we're, we're here. We're going to talk DecaFit. We're going to talk about uh, what happened this weekend in West Palm Beach, because uh, I think, you know, I think it definitely made waves, right, in, in the DecaFit community, in the Spartan community. Uh, a lot of people were talking about it. So first, here's what I want you to do. Can you just walk us through exactly what DecaFit is for those those listeners who uh, who aren't familiar with the concept. Yeah. So I think it got confusing because they rolled this out in 2020 and then no events happened. So no one could really kind of grasp what it was. And they also were rolling out two other events along with DECA Fit to make it a like a DECA trifecta is what they're doing. So there's, right. DECA, there's DECA Fit, which is um, 10 workout stations with 500 meter runs in between. So you run a 5k while you do these 10 stations. There's Deca Mile, which is the same 10 stations only with 160 meters of running in between to make it a full mile. And then there's Deca Strong, which is no running at all. So just the 10 stations back to back to back. Right. And the Deca Mile and the Deca Strong are more for like gym affiliates to hold for their members to kind of create some buzz around this whole Deca sure. brand. So that when DecaFit comes to town, people are aware of it and the, and the whole gym community kind of ups and shows up for the DecaFit that time of the year. So the real race is the DecaFit and the other two are, are just right. more things you'll see across the country and like gym-based stuff. But you'll see, but you'll see a lot of places doing this Deca Strong or the Deca Mile events uh, all across the country, right? And they're keeping track of, you know, times and performances and everything, uh, you actually had a pretty impressive DECA mile performance, right? Prior to this DECA fit competition. Uh, and did you, or did you not set the DECA mile world record? At that I, I, I do have the world record now. And it's funny that it's like a world record because logistically that event is hard to like put on and it's only been run a couple of times. Right. Um, but in the way, in the ones that they were, put on i i do have the fastest recorded time now and uh vj jones and ryan kent did it the, did it this past weekend and i still have the record so you do important you do. to know ryan kent vj jones those are big names but not as big as 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 rich ryan I not in the not. deca not in the deca mile community that's right so that's awesome that's huge i know they were yeah i saw they they did that event in uh what was in colorado springs or denver yeah so of course they you know at altitude, well, you gotta know you gotta note that it's at altitude, but either way, 
either way. Less, less wind resistance, right? Less yeah. less air resistance, right? At, at altitude. So totally. That thing that bike would be spinning. That the the Ram Burby is super easy. Right, right, right. All right. So so you come out of the deck a mile, you know, you got the world record, excited about that. So you're obviously in pretty, pretty decent condition. You're pretty fit. Um, and you're preparing for West Palm Beach. So what was your health and kind of you know, that, that fitness level leading up to this event, what was, you know, how did you feel and what were your anticipations for this race? Yeah. So coming out of the winter from like January to March, I hadn't run at all because I was straight up hurt. I just had like this glute injury and I just couldn't do anything. Um, in terms of running or anything impact related, but I could row, I could row quite a bit and I could lift quite a bit. Um, so I was doing all of those things and I had just kind of come back into running pain-free like at the end of March. So it was really, I had some time to kind of build up my running through April, but not a lot. I was being pretty conservative. You know, I didn't want to go too, too quick. And so a lot of my quality work was still being done on the assault bike and on the rower. And for me, I have a, I'm, like my, my running background is, is just, so extensive that I can kind of understand what kind of shape I am in based off the workouts that I've done. And sure. You know, yeah, yeah. That makes um, sense. Right. Where you're doing those cons- the same workout that you've done previously. And, right. Right. Or just like how it feels during certain paces. Like, Oh, okay. Like then this pace usually right. means I'm kind of here. And if I run this many miles at this, whatever. Um, right. but on a rower or a bike, like, I don't know. Like, I think these feel really hard. Like, I don't know if these paces are good. Like, I don't know if they're getting any better. I don't know how they compare to anybody else. I don't know how good people are at this that are going to be at this event that I'm preparing for. Um, all I knew I was working pretty hard on those things and I was feeling pretty good. Um, the deck a mile was pretty encouraging because the, the zones went well and really is not very much running in that deck a mile. You know, you can't like get up to any type of speed. No. And, right. and that's where I figured I would have more of an advantage anyway. And like the, in the small amount of running workouts that I did, I had three workouts. I did one workout for the three weeks leading into it of like quality running work. And yeah. it went, it went well to the point where I was like, okay, I maintained a lot of fitness here through the fall, but I just hadn't built up my volume really high enough to know how the running was going to hold up, you know? Right. So, um, and especially with the zones in between, like I knew my zones were in good shape because of Deca Mile, but I honestly didn't know how the running was going to go. Yeah. So leading into it, it was the first race back since Jacksonville 2020. And I really just wanted to run as, as hard as I could. Like that was kind of my approach. Like just like not worry about what anyone else is doing. Just go there and just like express your fitness, which should be how I've done it, do it all the time. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in like places and times and stuff like that. So I just yeah. wanted to yeah. try to not worry about it as much. Sure. So that was kind of what I was feeling like going into it, but I, de- I can't lie. I had it circled, right? Like it was my first event back back. So like I was thinking about it a lot. I was feeling prepared for it and I wanted it to go well. Like and it sounds like you were, it sounds like even though you weren't able to get the, the brick of running training, right. That you maybe necessarily wanted to right? coming off of injury, just getting back into it in March, that doesn't give you a whole lot of time, right. To, to peak for a 5k while doing, you know, in and out of all these 
you know, 10 different stations, right? And so it sounds like, but you were preparing pretty well for the stations, right? It sounds like you were on the rower, you were on the bike, you were, you know, you were doing some heavy, um, some farmer's carries and stuff like that, right? To get, to get ready. Yeah. I felt like I was putting the pieces together, but I hadn't like, all the separate pieces were kind of like building up, but I was, I hadn't glued anything together, right? Like I hadn't, I hadn't done any like simulations of it. I hadn't done any like extended mm-hmm. raises. So I didn't really know what it was going to feel like. I thought I did a good job in training of like preparing for what I would imagine these stations would feel like under right. fatigue. And for that, I felt good. I had a strategy. I knew how to approach all of them. There was nothing like left in doubt when going mm-hmm. into them, like, uh, which was nice. Cause like we just talked about, uh, with with your race, like yeah. not knowing how things are going to go wrong. I was, I came into this race. I was like, I know what all of these things are. This is amazing. I, I know I'm not going to miss the spear because there's no spear and I'm not going to miss any <laughs> obstacles because there are no missable obstacles. Like sure. I could like right. fall down or blow myself up or like, you know, make mistakes in a race that I hadn't because I've never done it before, but it was kind of nice not to have to worry about like how unknown some of the stuff was. It gives you a lot of peace of mind, right? Going into a race and your mentality going into right starting a race matters a lot, right? And, and keeping that positive mindset throughout the race, I think, I think makes a difference. At least for me personally, it seems to make a difference. And so the less, the less you know, cognitive dissonance or uh, you know that you have walking into uh, you know a competition and knowing exactly what you're going to be facing um, matters. And, uh, and it sounds like you were pretty well prepared. I mean, having done the decamile event, you knew all the zones, you knew the technique you were going to use for each zone. Like that wasn't an issue. It was just, how are you going to feel right after a 500 meter run between each and every single one of these? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's interesting, like the, the, the dissonance of things, which I've, I've had so many times in obstacle racing, like I'll think about how fit or prepared and how well I'm going to do. And like, I was just like lying. <laughs> I just wasn't, yeah. I just did. I just didn't know. I was just trying to convince myself oh. um, that it might go well at, at a certain point, but you know, this one felt good. And like, uh, this is a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Uh, it's a little bit more in my background with this stuff. So um, it felt good. Good, good. Well, let's, let's get into the race then. Let's talk about the race itself. First of all, uh, really good lineup here, right? I mean, for when you think of guys who are going to crush a Decafit event, guys like Dave Megita, uh, Forrest Bouge, uh, Jack Bauer was there, mm-hmm. um, you know, it adds some, some really good names. So can you talk a little bit about like who is there and what, you know, kind of how you felt you, you compared? Yeah. So going in a new Jack and Forrest, like when I signed up uh, that they would be there, I was, I wasn't sure if there were some guys who did the Dallas and the Atlanta event, Preston, right. uh, Preston Burnett and um, uh, Caleb Yates, who are good at these type of things as well. I wasn't sure if they were going to kind of show up, but um, McGee hit me up a couple weeks before he's like, Hey, I'm coming down. And I, and it, I was, I was actually pumped, you know, and that was a good sign in the past as well, where I would in the past, I would really want to, have less competition so that like I had a better chance of doing well, you know, which is like so backwards and crooked, but like that was back. Like I used to really want my, you know, <clears throat> my self-worth to be related to my oh, results yeah. in a race. Right, exactly. Right, and right. at this point I was like, okay, great. Like, yeah, exactly. And then, so like, Magita did so well during high rocks in Dallas where he got second to Hunter and really was the only one who, who 
gave him any push. Like this whole right. event was designed to be like the best of the best. And Magida had to fight his way to get into this event, got in and did really, really well. So, so having him there made it feel a lot more like legitimate. And I didn't know who else was going to kind of show up for it. And it's a new event. Right. And right. it's not, and there's a bunch of other OCR mm-hmm. events. And it's going to be hard to know who's going to be really that good at this. Um, but I knew, I knew I was going to be pretty solid no matter what. So I was happy to have, Magida there kind of took it to that next level of like uh, of competition and, and Forrest is just tough, man. He, he's just going to show out and, and, and put it all out there. And, and, you know, Jack Bauer has been preparing for this stuff for a long time. So I knew right. like that there was, and like whoever else would show up, the dude, Ryan Corning, who ended up finishing, I don't know, eighth, ninth or 10th or something like that. He has the okay. DECA strong world records and he hadn't done a DECA fit either. So I didn't know what kind of things he would bring to the table. There were some other old Spartan guys that would kind of showed up. So, um, yeah, it, it felt good. It felt like it was like a decent field in, involved and, in, and it got in my head a little bit because <laughs> I started to think <laughs> about, okay, okay, okay. Where am I going to place? But then I had to remind myself of like, don't worry about it. Just your race, just run the freaking race. So that, that's yes. kind of what it's looking like at the start. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely your race. And I mean, even at the start, um, you know, you, you get a couple guys, you just shoot out of the gates. I saw, um, you know, in watching the race, um, there's one guy in particular that just like really took off, right. And pushed the pace at the, at the beginning. Um, you know, did that, did that worry you? Were you, were you concerned, uh, you know, with starting, I mean, everybody started at a pretty fast pace, but, uh, did you feel comfortable or did you feel like, Hey, this is, uh, something that may not be sustainable. Yeah. Like that dude, uh, Noel Medina, he ran a couple of these before and seeing where his times were and where he was placing, I was, I was confident that the pace he was running was too fast. <laughs> like I knew yeah, yeah. That he's a good athlete and does well in right. his events, but yeah, he was going too fast and Forrest went out pretty hard with him and I just wanted to be comfortable. And that was something that right. I, I figured through the first three zones, it should just be straight up comfortable. So like the, the first run should be comfortable. The, the first zone of the back lunges and even getting into there, I was like, just go easy and just like do it up, like pace this thing out. It's not very long. There's not a ton of time you can make up. And that for, you know, I'm six foot. So some like a little bit taller. Um, yep. So that's even one that's uh, as fast as I try to make it, I'm still not going to to do that well on it. Right. That favors guys like me on the shorter side who can get down and up really quickly. Right. Yeah. I, and yeah. same with the Ram burpees and, and some other things that are in here. Totally. So there's a little bit of a blend for what's better for the different height of athletes and Forrest, uh, he's five, three he, and he probably weighs maybe one thirty. you know, what yeah. Yeah. Probably. He carries a little bit of muscle. So he's probably 130, 135. Yeah. yeah. I'd imagine. Um, but I just wanted to take it easy through there. And then coming out of it, I think I was in fourth. fourth. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I went into the zone third, came out of that zone fourth. Um, so Noel rent was still out in front. Um, right. And I ended up right behind Magida and, and, and Forrest ended up running down Medina and then, yep. Uh, David and I also kind of cruised past him as well, um, leading into the second zone, which was the row. Um, So getting in on the rower, I like, I wouldn't make sure to check all the dampers and like the foot foot placement. And there's no, I think in high rocks, when you, when you roll into the uh, events, like they place you based on where you come into, but this wasn't like that. It was kind of a free for all. So you kind of ran in there and just grabbed whatever. Um, <laughs> so I had kind of like staked out a couple places. I like my damper, like seven, I like my foot, 
my foot pedals at like three. And so I knew that stuff. Um, and so I just got to work. I just got on that rower and just started freaking rowing. Um, and I did this one workout two weeks ahead where I did three rounds of 200 meter run. And then I did, um, each one of the first three zones with a 200 meter run in between. And then I would take like two and a half minutes rest just so I could kind of get an idea of how to pace that and what would feel sustainable in those first three zones. I figure like you're only going to kill yourself. So needing to know where I'm going to, how I'm going to feel was crucial. So doing that workout was pretty helpful. Um, so I figured right around 140 per 500 is a really kind of sustainable pace. I kind of find myself there. Okay. Yeah. 500 in like in an event like this or during those workouts is kind of where I thought it would be. It's pretty fast. I mean, it's pretty fast. I mean, going in and just trying to maintain like two minutes for a 500, like can be hard for good athletes, right? Yeah. If you're not used to rowing. Um, but if you're the rain, meter row is something that really benefits people who work on that event. You can't just, if you just walk in and expect to do it properly, um, you're probably going to be pretty slow in that event and you're going to, you're going to feel it, right? There's definitely a, an element of form with that. Um, it does, it's, it's better for bigger, taller athletes for sure. Right. Um, but even just watching people's form, you can tell right away if like that chain starts wobbling up and down, if they're getting way lean, way far back, like where they're pulling the handle, like it needs to be smooth. Um, it, it does, yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be over your head. That's insanity. And then like, it doesn't need to be necessarily even that fast, you know, like it right. needs to be powerful. You need to powerful. press through. It's a push through your legs. It's not a pull with your back and arms. And, um, if right. you're not on it, if you're not practicing, practicing it, like, you're going to have to screw it. You'll probably screw it up. So that was one thing that was helpful about getting injured is I spent a lot of time on that rower. Like that's what I yeah. would do. That's what I do for my long runs. I would do like two and a half hour rows. <laughs> I would just right, sit there and right. like watch and watch TV and just focus on my form and just have it yeah. be back and forth. So, um, I had a feeling I, 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 one of the scenarios that played out is that I could potentially have the lead after the row, um, without necessarily even pressing it. And that's kind of what happened. So I got out of oh, yeah, it I was. got out of that row. Um, yep. In first after that. Yeah, you came out first. Then it was Forrest, and then I think Medina, and then Megita. Right. I, I think is how it ended up working. Yes, I think you're right. Um, and so, and I was watching you do these big long pulls. You know, I saw Forrest. Right, his pulls were shorter. Right, and um, uh, and I think that that made a bit of a difference. And then we move. And then we're running. Uh, you come in first. Uh, you come into zone three first and then Forrest Megita and then Medina. Right. So now it's, it's rich Forrest, uh, David Megita. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then we do the, the 24 inch box jump or step overs. Right. And I saw you actually started with step over. You did a couple box jumps and then you moved to a side step, Right. So you were doing all sorts of things in there. Yeah. Like that was something I had again in that workout that I had practiced, like, and doing like the strong and the mile, like the jump, like a jumping and turning in the air and stepping down felt more relaxed. It felt more comfortable and the, t- and it didn't, and it wasn't that much slower. It, it seemed like it was the same pace as the step overs, but this is what I regrettably, this is something I did do. I looked at how everybody else was doing it and they were going way faster than I was. <laughs> they were going way fa- I saw Forrest doing it and he was like, it was like two for one. And right, I was like, right. uh, okay, I got to do it different than this, <laughs> but it was still in that or, or those early zones. Where I was still trying to kind of pace things right, out. Right, right. Um, but I did let them dictate what I did a little bit on that. I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta 
I got to switch this. This isn't working. So I got to go back to the lab and figure out what to do and kind of stay the course on that. Yeah. Um, Cause like I do a hundred of each technique and figure out what your total time. And was. just see, like, I thought yeah. the step-ups felt worse when I did it just subjectively, but objectively, like the times weren't that much different and maybe they were, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah. So I, I kind of panicked, but it was able to still get out of there but barely yeah. in front of Forrest. You guys were tight. You guys were tight. I mean, you, Forrest, and Megiddo were all right there, right at that point, um, basically grouped up. And, I mean, so we're a third of the way through the race, right? We're getting into the medicine ball sit-ups, mm. right? And uh, you started putting a gap on that lap. I think you kind of – oh, no, maybe – yeah, you pulled ahead of those guys and then – Forrest and Megita came in behind you. Yes. But you started to create a, you started, you, did you increase your speed there or were they falling off of, of the pace? I think they were falling off a little bit with okay. the pace. I don't feel like my effort really shifted throughout the entire time, maybe like the last run, but there was never like an effort of, okay, drop the hammer now on the run. I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't think there was place for that in the middle. And like, if right. I needed to reserve that for later in the, in the run, like if I needed to make a move, like I wanted to have that, but at this point I was still pretty early and those med exactly. ball sit-ups, like they were just, they're, they're, they're super slow. Um, no one's making up ground on that. Like you, maybe you can screw it up. You can drop, literally drop the ball, but like, we all kind of got in and out as fast as we kind of went in. Yep. So. Yep. And you came out and you came out in the same order that you went in. Right. Yep. And then, uh, uh, did another 500 meters. So yeah, not a big shake up in the medicine bowl, you know, sit up. I didn't expect things to be made, but now zone five, there could definitely be, you know, another one of these longer stations, uh, where technique matters, height maybe plays a factor in this definitely. one. And, uh, can you talk a little bit about the 500 meter ski erg, what you had to do there? And yes. And then as coming into that, because my row was so much stronger than what Forrest had done. Um, I thought like that would be a good place that to be able to lengthen again, just by kind of going off of what I would feel as a sustainable pace um, sure. where Megita, he's stronger than I am like straight up. Like he's like, can generate more value weighs more than I do. He's got almost like 20 pounds on me. He's stronger um, than all of us. He's stronger yeah. than <laughs> almost a, everyone in the game. And yeah. he's big, you know, he's a big, strong guy. And this is like, uh, with the skier, it gets just generating power down, which is kind of strange. So it's almost like a reverse deadlift. And like, then you have to really kind of crunch your abs really hard. So it's a very core intensive, but also like the form, like in your posterior has to work to that advantage because you have to drive it down. So a lot of times you'll see people just kind of like round at their back and just hinge at their hips and not drop their butt down. Right. It takes a ton of energy. It's super slow. Um, but also someone like Forrest, he can't get, he can't, reach the handles all the way up where all I the all the way right. to the top to create that full power, that big, long stroke. Um, so I got in there ahead and then I, I think I put about 10 seconds on both of them in that zone. You did. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was rowing and the zones on the, um, the athletes are, are what your transition was in and out. So I think it said I was closer to two minutes or like 158 or something like that. But my row pace was kind of like 146, 147 or something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And so you were, it looked like you were getting, so I, I can anticipate a lot of seconds being shed, getting into the station and getting out of the station where people are like casually walking up to things or they're, you know, uh, it seemed like you were, you were conscious of that. Right. And you were getting in and out pretty quick. 
That was one thing I was talking to, to Mark Godet on Torque leading into it. And he's like, do you just, do you got to push those transitions and see what could happen in there? And that, that was one part of the race I wasn't necessarily even thinking about. I thought they would just kind of take care of themselves, but you're right. And even talking to Megita after he was like, dude, your transitions were fast. Like you definitely put some time on me in there. Um, yeah. So just getting back onto the run as fast as possible and just like hoping it goes okay and <laughs> just like start running right. and see how it goes. Um, but after skier, it was still pretty solid. Still felt good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you were moving really well uh, here. You'd put, you had, this is really where you, you saw kind of the pain right on the face of Forrest, which makes sense, right? He was really pushing through there. Um, but this is where you really started to separate yourself from, from everybody else. And then, um, then we had the hundred meter far- farmers carry, which I don't think anybody loses or gains a ton of time there either. Um, I did see that you grabbed the weights from further back in the pile, as opposed to grabbing the ones up toward the front. Was that because you didn't want to reach down as far or you wanted to walk further with the weights or what was that about? Yeah. I just want to make it a little bit harder. Okay, <laughs> right, <laughs> just, yeah. just straight up. Didn't, yeah. I didn't think about it. I just grabbed the first ones and then went, but that's smart for next time. You know, just, thinking, just, just, you work, know? just working that strategy. I like it. Yeah, keep working it. <laughs> All right. And then, um, uh, you know, anything to say about the farmer's carry or. No, I was a little, I didn't practice it too much. Cause I don't think there's, there's not too much skill involved, but it's still like uncomfortable. Like it's, it's a weird thing. So I should, I got to put a little bit more practice on it. My time was fine compared to everybody else's. Um, but yeah, there is some, some room to improve on that, but yeah, it feels like, um, you know, it feels like you're getting a rest, but you're not right. Like it feels like maybe I, it's, it's weird. Farmer's carries are weird all around. Like just maybe you're breathing slower, but man, your forearms are, are dying. And it's like, right. a, it's like sometimes how a carry can be, you know, in yeah. a, in a, in a Spartan where, you know, you, you're not breathing that hard, but you're, it, it, it's still stressful. Um, but it just feels different than like running hard. Right. I don't know. Right. It was just like yeah. kind, of, kind of annoying. For <laughs> yeah. sure. For sure. And then, okay. So that was zone six. And then we get to seven, which is 25 calories, right. On the air bike. So, um, and you ripped through it, right? So talk to me about that. Have you been spending a lot of time on that machine? Yeah. So the, the, like when I first did my first like DECA strong, I didn't have any idea of what pace is, is sustainable for that. And it's kind of a long time. 25 calories is going to take uh, even like the fastest people are going to take almost like 45 seconds to a minute. And that's if you're right. smashing right. where uh, I don't like, and that's another one that's going to be like heavy power output, stronger, bigger athletes, like, I'm taller, but I'm not that, I'm not that big. I'm weighing like 167, 168 on like probably race day Yeah, yeah. and generating that much power, um, isn't something I've been that, uh, conscious of doing or, or, or have put that much practice in. So I did do several workouts leading into, um, this event that were based around the assault bike, whether it was just doing like more like in like a threshold pace that'd be like a little bit more sustainable and doing like really short rest. I was doing one workout that would do like 30 seconds, really hard, then 30 seconds, rest 30 hard again, 20 seconds, rest 30 hard, 10 seconds, rest just to get like descending uh, recovery, just so I could build a little bit more volume at a higher output and still kind of feel what it's going to be like at the late stages and um, of that assault bike. And I was able to kind of figure out that for about a minute, minute 15, I could hold, 75 to 77 rpms on it and um so new ones i could get yeah. there like that doesn't right. feel that doesn't feel bad right right away okay um it feels yeah. bad later so i knew if i could just sure. kind of sure, like sure, sure. ease into that and just sit there 
like I could hold it. So that was like the whole idea behind that. Again, it's just like knowing what, how to pace that thing uh, because it, it can go terribly wrong. And because it's so, it's so powerful, it can be, it's, it's, it is essentially anaerobic. It can get anaerobic pretty quick. Right. And then w- once that goes, it doesn't come back. So like, no, I, no. I, you can put yourself underwater with that. So it was really gradual finding where I could go and just like staying in there and just like being able to kind of hang for a while. It's interesting that you, um, that you did that workout, right. To figure out what your RPM should be and, and, and that sort of thing um, without actually doing this full workout. Cause even, even if you do kind of a brick workout or something, right. To kind of anticipate, right. Mm-hmm. Feel for that. It's not the same as doing all of these previous stations, all of these 500 meter laps, and then getting on that bike and trying to trying to do what you're about to do. So, um, you know, I wonder how many people who are out there training are thinking about it this way, right? And doing these these types of of workouts to to prepare for it. And that's the thing. It's like, and I would do several rounds of that, like three to four rounds of that. So I would know yeah. how it felt fresh. I would know how it felt in the middle. I know how it feel at the end, and and really where the sustainable part would be because it is different. Right. And, and right, right. you don't want to have to simulate this workout. Yeah. You don't have to simulate the six stations just to get to that seven station. So you can practice like that's kind of like a waste of time and energy. Um, so just being like really focused on that one piece, because this is where I figure that people will lose the race. It's going to be the biggest game changer. It's the hardest to run after. Like it, it really is really yeah. sucks <laughs> to run after this yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even just the feel of it. Right. If anybody's ever done a triathlon where you go from biking straight to running, like your legs feel funky, right? It takes, it takes, and you only have 500 meters, right? To, mm, to get your kind of shake that out. Yeah. It's weird, right? The blood's in your, you know, your quads and stuff and not, you know, not some of the other areas that needs to be. So you feel like really uncoordinated. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm going to like kind of like tip over. Draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to run for the first time. But, uh, but yeah, if you can get that back quicker, you know, that, that helps. And doing those brick workouts can often help where you're going biking, running, biking, running. And that's uh, where, yeah. And that's where I'll, I did one workout like that with that, those type of transitions. Um, and that'll be something I'll have to work on for, cause like looking at some other stuff, like that was my slowest run out of the <laughs> whole sense. thing makes right. sense. Right. Like, yeah. but if I could improve that, that, that's definitely a place that I could get better at. Cool. All right. So then we get into zone eight and here you're still ahead. Right. So it's rich. Uh, I think Megiddo's next yep. and then forest. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got a pretty good gap on these guys, but I think, uh, I think at this point, are you going for the record? Do you know that you're going for the record or do you not have any awareness of, of where you're at? I honestly don't like, I tried to, I, I went into it telling myself I was going to do splits. Didn't work at all. So I had no right. idea if my run was getting faster or slower. I like, didn't know how long the last couple stations were. I didn't know if it's like even proportion throughout, like the way that kind of things are all broken out. Like I knew the over the walls were slower. I figured the tank would take a minute. So I didn't know like where the time would kind of add up. So I hadn't even really thought about it. So everyone I, has a plan. Everyone yeah. has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right? Yeah. There was no way I was taking splits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Perfect. And then, uh, okay. So then we get to the dead, uh, or the slam ball, like over the wall, you know, type of thing. Now this looks like a slow, this does look like a slow thing, right? Where you have to lift the, the ball, get it over the wall, jump back to the other side, do it again. I think 20, how many, how many of those? Do you 20 have times. Do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's slow. It's like it's relatively heavy. It's, it's easy to do with bad form. Um, 
right. it, it's just slow and it's awkward to get around it. So like, it's actually nice that it's after the hardest station because a little bit of a reprieve, like, cause they could really kind of stack some momentum. Like if they flip this and like the skier, like if it was like a salt bike skier tank ramp, it'd be a brutal finish. Right. This give this, this gives it a little bit more balance. So yeah. like yeah. if you're, if like you're not that strong on a salt bike, you could still like make up some ground, but right. For the right. most part, for me, I was just, I just wanted to get it done. Like I had no, yep. no strategy for this one. Yeah. It looks smooth. Looks efficient. Uh, it sucks that you have to walk around the wall each time and it's got kind of the A-frame to keep it supported. Um, would you, would you jump over? I would just jump over each time. That's yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> I would dope. just, just 20 wall, you know, wall jumps and uh, along with the, with the, the slam balls. And I, I think you might be able to save some time doing it. You would just way. hold, <laughs> you would hold the ball and jump over each, each way. Just something to consider. Just kind of like, you know, you know how you do that on like a step, you know, like step overs or something. Just yeah. Something. I don't know. I don't know why nobody's figured that out yet, but maybe they <laughs> yeah. will. Next time. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. And then we get into zone nine, which is a hundred meter tank push and pull. Yeah. Right. So you got to push this thing back and forth. Five times, times, like 10, Five 10 times? meters, 10 meters each 10, way. Is it 10 each way? Oh yeah. my gosh. All right. Talk to me about that one. That looked, that looked really tough. That looks really tough. So the tank's weird because it's resistance based. So you can like the harder you push on it, the more it pushes back. So okay. there's, okay. you can't go very fast. So it's not like the tank in uh, high rocks where your ability to push the it's tank. Right. Yeah. It's a weight. So people are going to be able to move it faster based on their, their technique and their strengths. Um, this is just managing fatigue. Like you're like, so it doesn't burn. build momentum as you're pushing. It's consistent resistance the entire way. Exactly. Okay. So okay. like, it, it's just about like, honestly, managing fatigue, like your legs are going to burn, uh, on both directions. And it's just going to be just holding on to that and just not resting. So it's not really, and this is another one. Like if this was a sled push, someone like Megita would have a big advantage, but because this isn't really matter it's just again just dealing with the the discomfort kind of evens the playing field which is like a pro and a con like it makes it kind of a, a like an easy out but um it's nice for later guys yeah yeah <laughs> right. yeah definitely definitely and then uh it looked like the race director may have been saying something to you during that part was, did he did he say something like in your ear was that what, what was he was it a rule or was it what was he saying it was kind of a rule it was a little bit funky about like you had to push it there's like these bolts on the end like the bolt yeah. had to go past the one line. line but the other dir- on both lines so right. like one direction, the full tank had to go over the line. The other direction, only like a little bit of it did. And it was a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. So I was like kind of talking to him. I'm like, what, what yeah. do we do? Cause you um, over pulled it. You pulled like the whole thing across when yeah. you only to pull it, like just the wheels of the bolt across and then push again. So I think you figured it out eventually, but probably cost you a second or two there. Probably. And I mean, it's a yeah. little confusing. I would just imagine yeah. just push those wheels over each direction. It was weird. Just change that line. I don't know. Whatever. I figured Switch it out. It I, yeah. yeah. So got so got through that, and I uh, Magita rolled up next to me. I think after I had two yep. pu- pushes down, and then we were even on my third one. And when I realized, like, oh, he actually can't catch me on this thing because it's just like you can't really push it very fast. Right. Like <laughs> that was pretty helpful. I felt confident with that. Awesome. That's great. All right. So so you knew. So you're about to do your last lap, and then you got to do the. Ram burpees. So, yep. 
All right, so where are you at mentally, like going into the Rams burpees? Like, how do you, how are you feeling? You, this is like your final push, waste everything. Yep, exactly. This is the first place where I should try to unload a little bit of the run. I don't know how well of a job I did of that. I got to go back and kind of evaluate some of the splits of things. Um, the Ram is just one at a time. It's like one of those movements where as long as you can do one, you can just keep yeah. going. Um, so it's 20 of them. There was a bunch of people kind of barking in my ear, all counting different numbers. <laughs> and I'm like, I had no idea what, what, like where I was, but I just like listened to them and finished it out. So that is just a grind, man. Like, there's did you go back and count and make sure you did the right amount or did you do an extra one? I'm going to go. I am going to go back and count. I should have, I didn't, should. but I think I bet I did 21, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Either way, you didn't do 19. So I think didn't do 19. So, so yeah, then cross the line and at time was 30, 13 or something like that. I'm not sure. Man. It was, uh, 30, 10. Um, so it was a little, so it was about a minute faster than Derek York's time who had the fastest time leading into <laughs> this one. Um, okay. Okay. So, so the deck of people were all, all excited about that. And again, okay. it's fun. It's funny with the, the world record thing. Cause they've run this thing like three times. But they, right. they they loved saying it. They're like a new world record. Like, I guess so. But <laughs> hey, it's a world record, man. I mean, mark mark the books. It's a world record. Your name's on the list. And hey, I mean, that's not the fastest you go. And I think it's probably you know. I mean, considering you hadn't been running right, running training like to the extent that you'd want to, like preparing for that. You think is this something that you're going to continue to focus on and try to continue to push that envelope and push your record or what are you thinking? Yeah. I don't see why not. Like I said, I did like the way it felt leading into this. I like the training. It's easier for me to train this way, like living in a city, not necessarily having trails or mountains at that, that easy of access. And, um, I just like it, man. Yeah. And I think there's room to improve. I'm going to do some high rocks. I'm doing one the same weekend as the Ohio weekend. Um, so I'll be hitting that up and then, yeah. I think there is, and, and everyone was saying like this course was slower. There was more turns in this and that. Um, so who knows? I, 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 I'm happy with how it went. I, I was able to push where I wanted to go. And uh, yeah, so this is going to be kind of my focus for the next year or two, for sure. Yeah. It seems like it's definitely like right in your wheelhouse. It definitely, definitely meets you where you are. I mean, we've got, so you ran a 30, 11 30 11 so 30 minutes 11 seconds uh the next fastest was david Megita, who just destroyed i mean he ran a 30 57 which is no joke um and then i think forrest ended up with 32 11 um and uh and then jack bauer right jack bauer came in at, at 32 40 so um so really good but i mean that shows kind of your fitness and and the gap that you put on those incredible athletes. I mean, these guys are, these guys are, you know, very legitimate, um, you know, really stacked field. So yeah, congratulations on that, man. That was, that was awesome. I think, I think you, do you think you surprised a lot of people or do you think people were anticipating you to walk in and, and be able to perform, you know, the way you did? So looking at the stations, I was really happy that my 5k aggregate was only like one second faster than Megidas. And it really wasn't the fastest running time that people have seen in this space um because i think if anything uh after like ocr stars last year had a really fast like six mile my mile is pretty fast people kind of looking at me like as a runner um but my stage my, my row was the was really fat and was the fastest my skier was the fast my salt bike was top five so like i was really right. happy that there was some versatility shown there um because i do more stuff than run and i think that that might be the thing and this event it's 
it is still very runner biased uh, and it definitely helps, but I was, I was really pleased with it, with the showing because it wasn't just because I was that much faster than everybody. Right. Um, right. Right. So, I mean, they're still Deca strong, right. For those who aren't runners, right. They still do Deca strong and, and, and do well and it'd be very extremely competitive, right. That's going to take away kind of the, the runner specific, you know, uh, people right who, who can do really strong in, in this type of event even if they're not as strong in some of the in some of the stations but um uh but yeah i mean it was cool to see like such a well-rounded performance right to see you not only your splits in the 500s but to be able to win or to be top three or five in the stations themselves i think it speaks to that overall fitness um as opposed to just being a really good runner who just kind of stumbled through kind of the, the obstacles and stuff yeah and and like Faye Stenning she won the women's race and set a record there her she was just incredibly faster than everybody else like there was but her stations they weren't great but like that's how this like if you can get that much faster than people like you can kind of run away with it um so yeah you said like there's there's definitely room to improve for me because my running isn't where it was i haven't put that much volume in there so um if i can get there and keep the stations tight um yeah i think that yeah you can definitely go faster sky's the limit sky's the limit if they if they wanted to imagine her running at 34 20 just at the women's record so um so awesome must have been a great event to be a part of and uh uh would have been really really fun to be there I'll, i'll i'll have to throw my throw my hat in the ring at, at one of these, but, um, I don't anticipate, I, I think on, on my end too, right. I, I don't anticipate those stations being as strong. Um, well, just, but, uh, I just figure that when they do, uh, when they move the one station from wall overs to backflip over the walls, yes, then, exactly. then you can come right in there. And I told people, give me a boomerang station and give me a backflip station and that'll even, the and I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can compete. We'll see. But uh, for now, that's great, man. Well, congratulations again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, world record holder Rich Ryan joining us today, um, flipping the script, allowing me to interview him. I tell you what, it feels a lot better to be on the side of the interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, more more relaxed. It is. It's much more relaxed. And uh, no, this is great. I really appreciate it, Rich. And thanks for, for sharing your insights with everyone. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time. All right. Catch you soon. See you.